This is a throwback episode and before I jump into it, I want to make sure you need to hit subscribe whether you're listening to this on podcast or you're watching it on YouTube. Go ahead, become a homie, hit subscribe, hit like, put a review in, put a comment, whatever it is to get us through the algorithm to get this out because this is such an important and such a special Homies and Heroes episode. This is with uh, my university president, Paul Kahn. He served 34 years growing Lee University from a small little college campus to an enormous university in Cleveland, Tennessee, taking over practically the whole city. This man is the Walt Disney. Come on, the Walt Disney of presidents of universities. Like you need to see everything that has been construction, constructed and made throughout his tenure here at Lee University. And so in honor of his service uh, to the students, myself, and even my parents, he was the president while my parents were here in the eighties. I present to you a fantastic talk with my university president, Dr. Paul Kahn. This is it. Yes. 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 Oh, oh I, I now need to comb my hair. <laughs> yes! I'm so you, excited! I, Dr. Khan, it's good to see you. I'm telling you, technology is hard. You know what I mean? You know what, Dr. Khan, I'm gonna confess. Um, my Instagram wasn't updated. And so oh. I went, I updated it, and then it worked. So I'm taking all that. That was not, that was a technical difficulty on my side. You're perfect. You did everything oh, right. Good. There's nothing old guys like me like better better than blaming stuff on young guys like you. <laughs> and in this case, you're 100% right, but you're 100% right most well, of the time. Well, I'm glad I'm finally on with you. You know what I did? I practiced this this afternoon. You know, <laughs> oh I got one of the young people in my office to say, okay, now show me how to get on with Eli and then write it out for me. Here's six easy steps. Step one, <laughs> click on Instagram, you know, there you go. right down through there. And uh, I went through my six steps and couldn't get on. I felt kind of like, you know, a sinner outside the, the gates of Pearl, you know. Uh, <laughs> Lord, We're on. We made it. Good. It's good to see you. How are things in Texas? Man, they are fantastic. Um, I mean, as fantastic as things could be during quarantine. Yeah, I think we're all in very similar boats right now. Isn't it the truth? Yeah, this is a very, yeah, very strange, strange and crazy time, I tell you. Never, never Man, seen anything like are. it. Yeah, yeah so and I, that's actually why I'm excited to talk to you because, um, you know, I, you, you in terms of uh, leadership, like I'm excited to just talk a little bit about the times. But before we jump into that, Dr. Khan, there are a lot of people that know you on this, a lot of names that I recognize. But for the people that don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about you, what you do. Great. I'm, uh, I'm the president of Lee University. And way back in the days when dinosaurs walked the earth, oh, your father came to Lee University. Yeah. Was an outstanding student, graduated, went yeah. back out to Texas, started a great church. All this didn't happen overnight, of course. And... In the fullness of time, 
there was a son. <laughs> Come on. That, that would be you, Eli. Man. So you Lee, and we got acquainted in yeah. Lee. And um, now you've graduated and gone back in ministry. And yes, uh, so I've been, I've been president of Lee for 34 years. So I've seen a lot of people come and go. But, uh, man, I was thrilled when you came and uh, filled our pulpit and preached in our chapel this last year. I sat over there. I didn't know whether to be a, a proud papa or pray for you, you know. But <laughs> you, uh, you really, I, I was thrilled at not that you were performing well. It really wasn't a performance, and I never doubted that. You know, you were always a very gifted young man, but that you were connecting so powerfully with those students. And, you. uh, and your dad, dad had also done so. But, you know, there is something, I hate to say it, uh, you know, since I'm not a young guy anymore, but there's a way, there's a level at which someone your age can connect that I can no longer connect. And uh, so anyway, uh, we got a lot of great young men and women at Lee. Many of them are preparing for ministry. Most of them are not preparing for ministry. Mm -hmm. But we feel like our responsibility is not just deliver a college degree to them, but try to uh, move them closer to God, challenge them to really find an authentic walk with the Lord for themselves. And we know if they'll do that, God will take them from there on. And so uh, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. There you go. And, you know, it's so funny that you said that. Um, you know, you say that I'm able to connect with students um, right now effectively. But the reality is you've not only have connected with students for 34 years up until this day, uh, you are not only a leader to the students, you are a legend to the students. Like, you are so beloved. People lean in every time you grab the microphone. We never, we never got tired of hearing you, ever. Like, there was never a moment like, oh, it's Dr. Khan. It was like, yes, it's Dr. Khan. And I feel like, you know, there, there is a, a gift in that to not, um, I, I don't know, how do you, maybe it's, is it in your preparation? Like, you feel so fresh every time we hear you. Um, and, and so I want, I want you to speak to that. Like, how do you feel every time you, you've been getting up in front of, in the same auditorium for 34 years, how do you keep it fresh? Because you seem to communicate that well. And we feel that whenever you do get up. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you know, I, I can't tell anybody how to do it, but I can tell my experience. First, first thing is if you, if you don't care deeply, it shows. Wow. And I've yeah. seen lots of veteran ministers who just mail it in, you know. They get to where they know all those sermons. Now, you know, it's okay to preach sermons repeatedly. Jesus yeah. told, had the same message, you know. Uh, some of the great preachers, have, uh, one great preacher once said he didn't think he had a sermon really, really finished till he preached it 50 times. So, wow. you know, and, and these long-term pastors, they will preach to that same congregation 50 you know, 45, 50 Sundays a year, year after year after year. And, yeah. and, and to stay fresh, first of all, you gotta, you gotta care. You gotta feel it. You got, I've been asked before, how many, uh, how long did it take you to where you didn't get nervous when you preached in chapel at Lee? Right. And I said, well, I, I don't know. Cause I haven't got there yet. And oh, wow. Absolutely true. I have that. When I get ready to preach in chapel, even after all those years, I feel that edge, you know. I feel that kind of nervous, 
yeah. age. And, um, and you know, I've done a lot of speaking in other settings. You know, I've, 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 I've done the Rotary Clubs till I'm tired of it. I've, I've done motivational speaking yeah. and rallies. And it's not the same. Mm -hmm. It's not the same as going to a pulpit, into a pulpit yeah. and feeling you have the responsibility to reveal Christ to people. Yeah. And uh, that's, a, that's a burden. It's a heavy burden on me. You know, let me tell you an, an example of another person who's a veteran. Loran Livingston is a name, mm -hmm. that, uh, especially in this part of the country. No, Loran has pastored the Central Church of God in, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina for about the same number of years. It's the, it's the many people regard it as the top congregation in the Church of God. Certainly yeah. one, yeah. Of the, one, of a, one of a handful of the largest and uh, most, uh, you know, leading congregations. Uh, Loren, I invited him to preach in chapel the first year I was president. And we went for about 25 years when he never missed a year. Then, you know, something happened. He was yeah. sick one year. And he didn't make it one year. So he, he missed a few times. But I've, I've and, and when we've had convocation, one time we would have the same preacher preach four or five nights in a row. He did that many times. Wow. So I've watched this guy preach in that pulpit uh, many, many times over the years. Okay. There's no way, there's no thing to, for him to win or lose. You know, he's mm -hmm. a famous pastor. He's got a congregation back home. He's just given us a day of his life, kind of like you did, to travel to yeah. our campus and preach to our kids. So it's not like there's any, anything in it for him. There's nothing mm -hmm. at stake for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs to do well, you know, there's no yeah. performance anxiety, in other words. Yeah. Let me tell you what Loran told me one time. Not so long ago, we were walking over from my office over to, to the chapel for get ready to preach, and he said, Paul, I'm so nervous, I'm about to throw up. Oh, and wow. I said, yeah, I, I think I kind of know how you feel. And he said, really, I'm, I'm just, I have such a burden and such a, you know, I, I I hate to do it. You know what I mean? It's that it's, yeah. that, it's that edge, and it and that is that comes from caring deeply about getting it right, not depending on your own talent for the results. God God has to be responsible for the results, uh, but depending, knowing that you need to be an instrument in God's hands, and you. And I look out there at those students, as I'm sure is true when you're with your congregation. And I know, you know, somebody's sitting out there, uh, they're on the point of the spear, man. You know, they're they're living life in a very, very raw, raw, raw way today, tonight. Yeah. And uh, God can touch them, but I, I got to be on top of my game, you know. Anyway, so I think that's it. I've never lost that. Yeah. And, you know, even as I'm not going to be president next year, I'm going to be something called the chancellor. Now, I don't know what a chancellor is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. people, what does a chancellor do exactly? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody seems to know. It's the perfect it's the perfect position, you know, no no job description. But hey, one of the things they, they want me to do is, you know, preach in chapel several times a year. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, which I, I'm happy to do. I'm eager to do. Um I know this, the day before, the night before, I'll hate it. Mm. I'll wish I'd never agreed to do it. Mm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> from, you know the feeling, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's this hunger 
to be used by God in that moment. And knowing that it's faithful uh, for somebody, somebody in that congregation. And I think it's true if you're in a, if you're in a small worship setting or a large worship setting. So that's a, that, it, it's, it's realizing that eternal things are at stake anytime you start to say, thus saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I love what, what you're saying is because you, you are very much taking it day by day, being so present uh, for the purpose of the moment, not necessarily, um, you know, and I guess this leads to my, my next question, um, because the, the burden of that, you've carried that for all of the students for all these years, and now you're carrying the burden of this moment, a moment of one transition, which is already huge, but also a moment of leading through crisis, and you being so present, you being so personal uh, to the point of even one-on-ones with students, how have you been able to navigate the burden of that? Because I couldn't, I couldn't imagine with the burden you have for the campus that during the season to lead well, um, navigating that uh, would require, I don't know what type of insight or wisdom, but could you kind of let us in on how you're going about that? Well, you know, I think, you know, in a, in, pra in a practical way, I think anytime there's a crisis or an emergency, communication is absolutely key. It, you know, you can't over communicate during a crisis. Yeah. You know, now I said sometimes in the last six weeks, I've thought, you know, well, I'm, I'm saying the same things over and over. I'm over communicating. You know, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. getting an email out to students and then mm -hmm. one to parents and one to donors and one to the board. And then I'm going on on the screen, you know, and I'm doing a Q&A with Phil Cook trying to answer questions. I'm turning around and doing an employee session with employees. I'm turning yes. around doing a chapel. And, and, and um, I sometimes think, you know, I've said these things before. This is getting a little old, but, but I keep telling myself, you can't over-communicate. Somebody can always turn you off, right? Mm -hmm. They can always punch the delete button. Yeah. Uh, they can change channels, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But uh, anytime people are hurting deeply and they're frightened as they are in this thing, yeah. then uh, the more time you spend communicating with them and, and listening to them if possible. You know, I did one of these question and answer sessions two or three weeks ago, uh, and I asked a question about commencement. What are we going to do about commencement? Yeah. We got 575 seniors that right now thought they would be in final exams and they yeah. thought next Friday night, they'd be marching, you know, they'd be marching yeah. on the cap and gown and yeah. it's all blown away for them, man. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the freshmen and the sophomores and the juniors, Lord willing, they'll get it back next fall. We'll all be together and we'll right. next and God willing, we'll be able to do that. But these seniors won't, you know, yeah. it's yeah. time for them to move on. And they feel that very strongly. Um, mm -hmm. I just said to the seniors, I asked them about a, a, an, an aspect of programming, you know, of scheduling. And I said, you know, send me an email. Hmm. Let me know how you think. And within 24 hours, I got something like 110 emails wow. from seniors, from the senior yeah. class at Lee. Wow. Uh, and, you know, I read every email. I always haven't read every email. I don't answer every email. <laughs> 
you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you relax for a few minutes in this job, you know, your, your mailbox will fill up. It's, yeah. But I, I read every one of them. I don't delegate reading my emails to anybody or text or oh. I don't, you know, I know students like to text Instagram. I have to get them to teach me how to do Instagram. <laughs> I got one, my granddaughter to teach me how to be on Instagram about yeah. six months ago. And so she put up my picture up there with her and here's Instagram. Yeah. And I got, I got this young woman in my office today to go on Instagram to show me how to get on to come on with you, right? Yeah. She said, Dr. Khan, you've only been on Instagram once in the last six months. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I'm, you know, Instagram, that's not my medium, man. You know, that's, yeah. that, that's for the young folks. Uh, I just now got around to learning how to do the old stuff. So, you know, I, I think in a crisis, you over-communicate. And, okay, here's what about God? You know, in a crisis, you over-communicate with God. Mm. You know, there's no such thing as too much prayer. Wow. Or, and, and by that, I don't mean you get down on your knees and you say, dear God, here I am. My name's uh, Paul. I'm, I'm you know, you pray when you're walking across campus, you pray when you're pumping yeah. gas in your car, you pray when you're, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, so the, the lifestyle of prayer, but uh, I think when you're in a tough place, over-communicate. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, if you've forgotten to tell your kids you love them lately, hmm. tell them too much. You know, yeah. They're out. I somehow yeah. have to... Sometimes I have to apologize to my wife. Maybe I know you've heard this. I get tired of saying it. It's pretty boring, you know, but I sure do love you. Well, mm. it's true, actually, it's you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> we don't ever get tired of somebody telling us they love us, do we? Yeah. And neither does God. Wow. Man, that is so, that, that, that's so amazing. And I think that you're absolutely right that we have now more than ever the ability to communicate now on so many platforms. I don't think that right. uh, quarantine has stopped communication. If anything, um, there is a need right now to replace touch while, you know, we're not allowed to be as close as we were. That has not shut off the ability to communicate. And so with that, I, I love that you said that. Um, now, my next question is this. Uh, you have never ran out of vision. Your vision just like, it explodes. You are quite literally the Walt Disney of universities. You have created uh, Disney World in Cleveland, Tennessee, yeah. where people thought it was impossible. Uh, to All right, point, I graduated in 2016. and people that are dissatisfied at other places, you hear it, <laughs> don't you? You know where to come. Go on. I am your daddy, come to daddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I well, and you know what? I and I say all that because I'm like literally. I graduated 2016, and uh, in 2016, like it was big. And then I came back. Literally, my wife she stayed an extra year. Uh, well, she she was finishing up school, and I went, and there was a whole new. You built a whole new campus, like attached to that, and it, the expansion, like it never stopped. And uh, like you said, you're transitioning but you never slowed down, like at all. How, like, I, I'm, I'm just trying to get in your mind of, you know, how, how, do you rem how do you keep your vision sharp? Because it remains sharp and it still remains sharp to this day. How do you keep it 
sharp so that in every season it feels like you're progressing in what you've been assigned to do. I don't know, man. I'm not good on vision. You know, you know what I try to do? <laughs> I just try to solve problems. There's always mm. a problem in front of you. Solve the problem. And mm. get that solved and create, create a new problem, of course. <laughs> you know, and then you solve that problem. And then that'll create a couple of more problems. So you solve those problems. Yeah. And then you get down the road a few uh, miles and you look back and it looks like you knew what you were doing. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Come on. And then you get a little farther down the road and somebody, some nice young man like you comes along and calls it vision. You know, <laughs> it was never vision. It was just looking out there and saying, okay, you know, i tell you what would be cool. You know, I'll tell you what we need. You know what would be terrific? See that old ugly, see that old ugly warehouse over there? Mm -hmm. You know, if that were gone and instead there were this nice building and it was wow. full of, of young men that God had brought here by his, by his divine providence. And, wow. and he has his hand on their lives and some of them are running toward him. You were when you came to Lee, you were running to God. Yeah. Some of them are running away from God. Mm. You know? That's true. And some of them are, aren't even sure they even are thinking about the question, you know. They yeah. just want to play intramural sports and join a club, and meet a girl, and get a degree, you know. Yeah. But you look out there and you say, but God's got them all, you know, God's got them all in his hand. He, he brings them all here, but they can't live in that warehouse. So you, <laughs> you need to tear that thing down and build a dorm. <laughs> there you go. Then, well, you can't build that with nothing. Hmm. So you better go raise some money. Mm-hmm. Well, people are not just going to get in their car and come bring you money. So you mm -hmm. better go ask them for money. Speaking oh, wow. of yep. which, Eli, yep. you, know, you know, if you if you feel that need in your heart to send money, then you know. I'll, I'll <laughs> hey, go. yeah, I get the emails. We all I'm get the emails. I'm going to keep you from getting <laughs> but no, seriously. So you have to go raise some money. I never wanted to raise money. Mm. Uh, I I hated asking people for things. You know. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be beholding to people. I don't want yeah. to owe people. Yeah. You know, I grew up in a family with 12 kids. My daddy was a Pentecostal preacher. We never had much at all. I yeah. grew up with this kind of fierce desire not to have to ask for, yeah. you know, get out there yeah. and do your own, make your own, get your own. So what God did was he put me in a job where I'm asking people for stuff all the time. Mm. because it's the only way to get it done. And I, so I had to gradually overcome that. And, I, and it, it took a few years for me to get to where I didn't dislike uh, asking for money, you right. know? Well, yeah. and, and let me say, I don't know how many people who might be listening or seeing this might be called to some kind of ministry, but, you know, any kind of ministry requires Finances, it's yeah, money. It's you know, it's not that preachers are money grubbers. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a handful of people out there that might exploit somebody. I'm sure that's true in any any area in any profession. Mm -hmm. But you know, God calls people to come together and accomplish things, yeah. and then then it's required that they give a lot of themselves. They give their time. They give their loyalty, their influence, and and some of them give their money. So. Yeah. You know, the vision thing is, 
it's easy to see in retrospect. Mm -hmm. Somebody said we live our lives in prospect and we understand our lives in retrospect. Mm -hmm. So my wife, Darlie, and I could look back after a few years and see things that happened in our lives before we ever came to Lee, yeah. or before we ever became president of Lee, and could see God was preparing that for us. He was preparing us, getting us ready for this good work. And you, you know that one of our foundational scriptures at Lee University is Ephesians 2.10. Mm -hmm. And the way that reads in the NIV is for, we are God's workmanship mm -hmm. created in Christ Jesus to do good works, mm -hmm. which he has created them in advance for us. To yes. And, uh, you know, I don't know where your future takes you. And I don't know if you're going to stay in Texas all your life or I don't know, you know, and, and I know you don't know, but I know that God has lying in your path. Great, great works to do. He's already started working on them and he's, he's kind of pushed you in a direction toward them. And when you intersect with them, it's great. There's no better life. Yeah. And I, uh, and I want to ask you about that because that sounds so much like what we're in need of right now, where you have totally relinquished, um, to the best of your ability, control over to God. And that is reflected in the way that you lead us. And I want to know about that in empowerment. Uh, you had such a good way, especially, you know, me coming up and pers as personal experience, um, you know, whenever we, we were going to do myself, Brad LaChapelle and several other people were going to do one body. And, um, and I remember we had emailed you. We're like, we would love for you to be there. It just didn't work out your schedule. You were out of town. Um, but you made everything possible so that um, it could come about. You invited me in your office. You prayed with me personally. And so how do you remain open to empowering uh, people? Like, is there a perspective? Is it within your relationship with God to give him control so that you give others control? Is there more to that? Uh, how do you kind of see empowerment right now? Well, we just have to remember it is one of the most deeply foundational biblical principles. It's Elijah giving the mantle to Elisha. Wow. You know, yeah. it's, it's Jesus spending so much of his time at the prime of his ministry within a short period of when he knows he's going to the cross. Mm -hmm. Not, he doesn't spend all his time out there trying to heal people, although there's a lot of sick people he never got to. Yeah. Or feed people, although there's a lot of hungry people he never got to. But he yeah. spent a big chunk of his time pouring it into his disciples. It's the wow. multiplication factor. Mm -hmm. So he sits down, not just to the 12, but, you know, to the 70, and he sits down and he, he empowers them. And then he tells them, I'm leaving, you're, you're staying, mm -hmm. but, you know, I'm sending you. That, that, then, then, of course, we see that principle through the epistles, Acts and the epistles, mm -hmm. where, you know, the apostle Paul is taking Timothy on the trip with him. Yeah. Uh, all the great leaders of of scripture or most of the great leaders of scripture, old Testament and new Testament invested in younger people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's, there's kind of a special scorn in scripture. It's implicit. It's not, mm -hmm. doesn't stated, 
for those who don't believe in younger people, you know, who mm -hmm. can't see it. You can't see the great King David in the young shepherd boy on, on, on the uh, seeing the field. You can't see the mother of Jesus Christ in the young girl, Mary, you know, and, and if you read through scripture, uh, there's a special blessing on people who are able to see in others, and that usually means in younger others, yeah. uh, the seeds of the future. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that is so profound. I think that, um, you know, I, even for, for myself right now, I think that that is, that is possibly one of the hardest things to, um, to give over to God and to, um, because I, and I mean, I've seen the life of Peter when he has that moment where Jesus, you know, is uh, washing his feet. He's like, don't wash my feet. And he's like, well, if you, I can't wash your feet, then you can have no part of me. And right. Peter, not really, he, Peter's trying to take control of the situation. Yeah. Then he tries to take control of the cross and says, no, you're not going to get crucified. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And then when they come arrest him, he gets the knife out. And, 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 and there's just this knee-jerk reaction to try to take control of the situation. Um, and, and I think, like, man, and I, a lot of us see ourselves in Peter, and I feel like that is me a lot of the time where I'm trying to tell Jesus I got it when Jesus is sending people like, you know, for, like my wife where I'm now in, I'm married and I realize how much um, she is bringing to our marriage and really to this combined purpose that we're walking in together that I'm, that, you know, I've been living my whole life by myself trying to control. And, and all of a sudden I realize, man, how much of, how blessed I am when I realize that she has been ordained by God in, in this and that when I relinquish control, I'm so much better off. Sure. I'm so like a hundred percent better off. Now, Dr. Khan, this is going to take just um, uh, a, a turn in the best way. What is the craziest story you have from being president at the university? What would you say takes the cake now that you're at the end from 34 years? What is that one story that you're like, you know, I can't believe that happened while I was president at the university. Oh man. Uh, well, I've had a lot of them. <laughs> I uh, can imagine. You know, we had we had a fire in a dorm one time at Lee. Mm -hmm. It was about 25 years ago, but still fresh in my memory. And I saw miracles occur in the aftermath of that fire. And uh, it was an old dorm. Guys, mm -hmm. 76 guys sleep two o'clock in the morning uh four drunk rednecks that lived in the community that didn't like college boys you know yeah yeah uh it kind of had a thing about these college boys uh they got drunk one night they drove through campus one of them pulled out a shotgun and shot at some of our students cops caught them put them in jail Okay, so they sat in jail for several days and got more and more angry and resentful, and they decided, wow. we get out of this jail. We're going to go burn some of us. As, as, as they said, as was testified in court, we're going to go kill us some college boys. Dang. They walked into wow. the end of a dorm, an old dorm, gallon of gasoline, poured it into an empty room down the end of the dorm and lit a match, and the place practically blew up. The whole building was, was burned. Um, 
And, you know, I remember walking through that rubble when it was still, when the ashes were still smoking, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was such a desolate feeling because I felt like we had been attacked, you know. Mm -hmm. And so now we had this huge mess on our hands. Mm -hmm. And we had 76 boys. We didn't have a place for them to stay. They were staying in a motel while we tried to find rooms for them somewhere. And wow. they're, and the cops were thinking maybe they did, you know, maybe there was a prank or something. Maybe, you know, at that point, it was not obvious that, that it had been arson. And by the way, these, when I say four drunk rednecks, I mean, they were all caught, uh, convicted, and went to prison for it. So we're not guessing who did it. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. But, you know, uh, but I saw all that and I, I had had, I was so down mm. and tired. Yeah. And I've thought of that a lot during this coronavirus time, you know? Yeah. And I felt I'm not the, I'm not, I don't have a lot of spiritual dreams and, you know, I'm not a, uh, I think I, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty bland guy spiritually. You know, I have just, ordinary lives. I don't have a lot of signs and wonders. But every now and then, I know God speaks to me in a very direct and personal way. Yeah. And he's done that a few times in my life. And he did that one night that next week. Oh. And I was awake in the middle of the night. But I was not just awake fretful, you know, like you do when you can't sleep. Yeah. Like I woke up two or three o'clock in the morning, felt fresh, felt good felt energized mm -hmm. for no particular reason. Hmm. And I was so jazzed and I'd been exhausted. I yeah. hadn't slept well for three or four days. Yeah. I was so jazzed. I got up, put my kind of some running clothes on, went over to our campus and went in that rec center down there, you know, the Devall yeah. Rec Center down there on campus. And it was the middle of the night and it was lousy weather. So I went in there and was just walking around and around the, the gym floor. But, um, I had, I had what I think was a vision that night, hmm. uh, and I saw myself kind of like roller derby. I'm just mm -hmm. not terrible spiritual, right? <laughs> oval, like a, 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 and I was skating yeah. around this track, this oval track, like roller derby. Yeah, and there was something looming in front of me, and it was dark and ugly and blocking my path, you know, and I couldn't, I couldn't get up any speed because this, this blobs in front of me. And in my sort of a dream, dreamlike vision, the Lord told me, you know, take a hold of it and use it to slingshot yourself. <laughs> and I reached up with both hands on that, on that blob and sort of grabbed it like you'd grab a sack and, and just slung myself around and it slung me around it and then I then bang, I was past it it was behind me I was going faster than I ever there was nothing but space in front of me I, I, yeah. that's all that I, had, I mean God didn't speak audibly anyway but I had this so, so vividly yeah lying in bed that night and so I, I got up got dressed I went over to the gym I just I, I, I walked and walked around the floor and I prayed and you know what it was a I had such a spirit of that God had showed me he was going to use the thing itself wow. to be my blessing. He wasn't going to bless me in spite of this thing. 
he was going to use this thing, you know, as the instrument for great things ahead when I get out in front of it. And, and that's exactly what happened. Now I can tell you how, you know, we rebuilt the dorm and paid cash for it. The only time we've ever built mm. a dorm with cash because wow. so much money came in. Over 800 churches sent us money. Wow. Um, we built a new dorm, paid cash for it. You know, that street, now your your viewers or listeners, a handful of them might have been on our campus, but that Parker Street that runs down, mm -hmm. you know, at that time, that was the back boundary of our campus. We had nothing on the other side of Parker Street. Oh, wow. Never built anything on the other side of Parker Street because there's a bunch of old houses over there. It wasn't our property. Mm -hmm. To build that building, rebuild Ellis Hall, which yeah. is now called Atkins Ellis Hall, yeah. we had to go across Parker Street and... And then once we went across, it sort of broke the thing with the community, the city planners, the zoning people mm -hmm. who, who didn't want us to move across Parker Street. Uh, then we, we never stopped. And as you know, they called that whole stretch of Parker Street the Miracle Mile because it's just a beautiful boulevard mm -hmm. with yeah. beautiful buildings on both sides of the street. And these students run back and forth across it you know, because it's now part of our campus. Anyway, I don't want to go into all that except to say all that came out of that tragic fire. Now, wow. fortunately, no one's life was lost in the fire. Mm -hmm. 17 boys went to the hospital. Four of them were really badly burned. They recovered. Wow. So, you know, it's like less than a year later, we're back there on that campus dedicating this new building that's wow. breaking new ground for our campus. Wow. And I, I pray God restore our, our prayer was restore everything to every boy. Yeah. 76 guys restore their stuff, restore their money, restore Mom. their spirit, restore their health, yeah. uh, you know, restore their emotions. And I believe the Lord did that. And, and you know, in this COVID-19 generation, this, this period of great challenge and great loss uh, with 30 million people, Gone on the unemployment, you know, yeah. rolls in, in six weeks. Yeah. And with, um, you know, with everything kind of half shut down, it, I, I feel like we need to pray, Lord, show us how you're going to use this thing itself to, yes. to, to bring great things into our lives, the lives of our congregation, of our friends, lives, our personal lives, our marriages, our our jobs, and, you know, okay. See, you should never ask me to tell a story. <laughs> no, you know, because I love that. You got a long, long story. I'm sorry, but, yeah, that's <laughs> what I think. No, and that was fantastic. And you actually uh, answered my last question um, because I think that this is a moment where people um, are asking how we should treat this moment while we're in it because it's, you know, um, I'm not I'm not in the camp that says God sent COVID to teach us patience. I'm not I'm not that, I'm not that guy. Uh, but I definitely do believe that there, like you said, that God can use any moment. And, you know, I, I believe that there is something happening right now where we can grab. I'll use your your example, your vision as an example. We can grab the glob of 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 COVID and allow it to launch us right. and, um, and just to be prayerful 
uh, and mindful of the present so that we can launch into the future. Uh, well, Dr. Khan, I want to respect your time. I'm so grateful that you jumped on with me. The last thing that I want you to do is put a plug for Lee University. Uh, where can they find all the information to go? I, we're going to have so many people probably cycle through this video later on, and I would love for you to tell them a little bit about it. Hey, I'd love to do that. Hey, you guys that are listening, there is this place. It's a special place. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's no place like it. A lot of good schools out there, a lot of good Christian schools out there. But there is this place at Lee where God meets young men and women in a very dynamic, real way. And there's 5,000 students there and about 600 faculty and staff. And, you know, we live day and night to try to meet you there at Lee, connect you to your future, connect you to the Lord, connect you with one another. Hey, I'm telling you, unless something terrible, terrible happens, I believe that come August, about August the 15th, we're going to be gathering together for our fall semester and we're going to have old-fashioned college. Come on. I believe that that's my prayer, and I believe that we're going to be there. That's, that's only about three and a half months away. So, hey, get through this thing, but no, God can use this to take you to the next place in your life. And if it should turn out the next place in your life is a, is a college, make it a Christian college, for heaven's sakes. Well, and if you get it wrong the first time, don't worry about that. Lots of good people have done that, haven't they, Pastor? Yeah. People, but, you know, we'll, we'll take you, we'll take you uh, as you are, and we'll enjoy walking with you as God takes you where you want to be. Amen. And you know what? Everything that Dr. Khan said, I experienced, it, it was life-changing. And I think that is even an understatement. Like, so much of my life has been marked by my experience there. The friendships, your leadership, my uh, everything that happened while I was at Lee, I, I give a lot of credit to the person that I am right now, meeting my wife. Also, shout out to Lee. I got that ring by spring. It was by fall. Still works out. She got the ring, okay? She got the ring. Yeah. Uh, but, man, we've been so blessed. Dr. Khan, thank you. I hope that we get a chance to do this again when you're chancellor. Uh, we'll be figuring out that title together the next time we talk, I guess. Great. I'd love to do it. I'm honored to be on with you and with the people that are a part of your network. Really proud of you. Love seeing you uh, virtually. There you uh, go. Love even more seeing you in the flesh back on our campus. God bless. Yes. God bless. Have a good night, Dr. Khan. Right. Wow. Wow. Wow, guys. That was Dr. Khan. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that we get to talk to leaders in the midst of crisis. Like Dr. Khan says, um, most of the time we read our life in retrospect, uh, but I think there is a lot of gold and a lot of wisdom that can be found in the middle of crisis itself. And so for him to take time in the middle of transition, the middle of crisis, to pour into you, to pour into me, I think that that speaks a lot about who he is. And so this is gonna be up for 24 hours. Uh, I'm going to actually re-upload these uh, starting next week. I'm going to start putting these as podcasts. I've interviewed uh, so many other leaders, artists, actors, different voices in the midst of all of this. But man, Dr. Khan was such a special person to have on. So be blessed. Keep looking forward to this. Uh, follow me if you're not to see more content like this. And you guys have a fantastic, fantastic Thursday night. God bless.